Fredo? Yes, Marcus. I don't want to hear this. What don't you want to hear? I don't want to hear someone come up to me on Monday and say, I had no idea about the Wellness Base Camp. Oh, I hate it when that happens. It's all been all over Facebook, Instagram, emails, podcasts. If you are listening right now and you've been under a rock or you've been flat out busy and you just haven't got to booking your tickets, don't get to Monday and send us an email saying you forgot. I was going to book a ticket. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to school holidays and then the kids went back to school and then I went back to work and blah, blah, blah. Don't let it happen. Thewellnessbasecamp.com. 50 bucks off your ticket. A few seats left. Don't muck around. You've got Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Joe Witten, Audra Starkey, Jules Galloway, Brett Hill. Oh, I wouldn't miss it for the world, Marcus. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so informative. There's amazing exhibitors there. The venue, I'm told reliably by Marcus Pierce, is incredible. There's just no reason not to be there. It's the most beautiful venue we've ever had. The Wellness Base Camp proudly brought to you by Zars and Alkaline Water. And we, as you said, we've got some wonderful exhibitors. So don't muck around. Don't be that person or people that says, I forgot. Head to thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food real with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. In episode 160 of The Real Food Real, we are joined by Dr. Will Cole, leading functional medicine practitioner who specializes in chronic conditions such as thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, gut health, and hormonal dysfunctions. In today's episode, we explore functional medicine and how it differs from mainstream medicine why your health shouldn't wait until your personal check engine light goes on, the autoimmune inflammation spectrum, how to start the healing process, and so much more. Dr. Will is an absolute wealth of knowledge, and I know you are going to love today's episode. Hi, Will, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited to have you on The Real Food Real, and I'd love for you to set the scene and Share with us a little bit about your background and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so I'm Dr. Will Cole. Um, I my, just a, a more of a professional background. Uh, my doctorate is from Southern California University of Health Sciences in Los Angeles, and my postdoctorate education and training is in functional medicine and clinical nutrition. Most of our patients are seen virtually via you know webcam. Uh, consultations about 80 90 percent at this point uh, are in other states and countries but we're based in Pittsburgh uh, Pennsylvania so I love what I do I'm, I live and breathe functional medicine I'm passionate about it I do writing a lot um, one of mindbodygreen.coms uh, mindbodygreens if for those people that don't know about them they're one of the largest if not the largest wellness websites in the world and one of their course instructors and wellness experts where I get to geek out on a weekly basis and write about functional medicine health topics. And yeah, so that's in a nutshell what I, what I do. 
Awesome. Sounds like you're living the dream, which I always love to hear. Just for the benefit of people that could be new to the show or certainly new to exploring health a little bit deeper, what is functional medicine? Yeah, that's a good place to start, I guess. It's if for those people out there that are like, oh, well, what the heck is this? Or maybe I, li- I know a little bit about it, but not really sure. If I had to boil it down between functional medicine and mainstream medicine and compare and contrast them, uh, number one, we interpret labs using a thinner reference range. So everybody knows when they get their labs from their PCP or GP or endocrinologist or rheumatologist, whatever specialist they're going to see, they'll have their number and then they have this reference range that they're saying, okay, is your number in this range or not in this range? And that's, if it's not, it's a bold font. Typically it's hot, but marked high or low. Well, we get that reference range, that normal quote unquote normal interval range based on a statistical bell curve average of people who go to labs. So if you go to another lab, you'll see that reference range will vary from lab to lab. There's a few exceptions to that and they are standardized, but for the most part, they're not standardized. And who are people that typically go to labs? They're people with health problems. So there's a lot of people that are like, I don't feel well. My, something's intuitively wrong with my health. Let's get some labs ran. And then the labs largely or entirely come back quote unquote normal, even though the person's like, what the heck, I don't feel normal. And they're told, you know, everything's fine. You're just depressed. Here's an antidepressant or you're just getting older or you just need to lose weight or they're sent to another specialist with more labs telling them that they're normal. And what what they're being unintentionally told is you're a lot like the other sick people that make up the population of this normal range. So in functional medicine, if you take people with health problems out of their reference range, what's left? What's well, health, optimal health? It's people that are living long, healthy, thriving lives. That's a much tighter range, a much shorter interval of numbers within that larger reference range of where humans live long and healthy lives. So that's the functional range, where your body is functioning the best. Um, so that's how we interpret labs, is comparing your labs to optimal wellness to give people answers as to why they feel the way that they do. Um, and then the second thing we do is we run more comprehensive labs. So we're looking at um, whatever is relevant to the case, but things that are pieces to the puzzle for chronic health problems like the microbiome or the gastrointestinal system. Uh, we look at hormonal imbalances, toxicity issues food sensitivities, uh, inflammatory issues, whatever's relevant. But we want to look at all the pieces of the puzzle because rarely is there one thing, one magic bullet that, you know, this is the reason that explains everything you're going through. We want to look at all the nuance and the complexities that give rise to why people are going through health problems. And then we realize in functional medicine that we're all different and there's not a cookie cutter, one size fits all um, you know, perfect solution for everybody. So we have to customize healthcare based on the individual. And you can have, you know, a dozen people with the same diagnosis code. Let's say everybody had 20 people with chronic fatigue syndrome. And what's causing the chronic fatigue syndrome? Because chronic fatigue syndrome is just telling you that you're fatigued, but we're not actually looking at what's the root cause. So you could have a myriad of different underlying root issues that's explaining why somebody's experiencing their symptoms so their journey is going to look different and there's not a you know a one-size-fits-all approach so that's in a nutshell what functional medicine is we use food as medicine 
Uh, we use herbal botanical medicines. We use lifestyle changes. We use medications when needed. This is what we do in functional medicine. So that's my long-winded. I don't know if you wanted that long of an answer, but that's my long-winded answer of what functional medicine is. No, I love that. It's such a beautiful summary in terms of, you know, it's certainly how functional medicine differs from mainstream medicine, which is really important to acknowledge. Um, and obviously we can tell you're very passionate about that optimal function, which I certainly agree with. So, excuse me, <clears throat> I think this is obviously, um, you know, quite a broad question, but again, it's going to segue into more specific conditions that I know you deal with on a day-to-day basis. But what are you seeing at the moment as sort of that broad underlying cause of what we're seeing in the health space at the moment? Uh, And it is a very complex answer. I don't think it's just Mm. one thing. Um, But if if I had to give an overarching maybe commonality between a lot of the things that I'm finding is a mismatch between our genetics and the world around us the mismatch between genetics and epigenetics. And you know, our world has changed very dramatically over a very short period of time. Um, compared that to our genetics, our DNA, which hasn't changed, research says, for about 10,000 years. Mm. So our DNA is really living in a brave new world in many ways. And it's these things that genetically have been around for 10,000 years. People have genetic predispositions for many chronic health problems, depending on the person you're talking to. The variable isn't the genetics, which our genes have not changed, again, for thousands of years, but what has changed is what our gene is exposed to. So things are waking up these genetic predispositions like never before. What was once rarity is now commonplace with the chronic the explosion of chronic health problems like heart disease and cancer and diabetes. I mean, one in two Americans, it's estimated, is pre-diabetic or diabetic. This is, this is uh, unheard of in, in the context of human history. Our genes haven't changed. We have to explain, well, why are all these people being diagnosed with these chronic health problems? 50 million Americans have autoimmune diseases. And millions more are on on what I call the autoimmune inflammation spectrum where they are having these inflammatory symptoms, but there's no real ICD-10 code for them. There's no diagnosis code for them. um, So it's a lot of epigenetic factors. So it's the foods we eat or don't eat. It's our stress levels or lack of it. Are we exposed to toxins or lack of it? Um, What's our gut health look like? All of these epigenetic environmental factors are constantly and dynamically instructing our DNA how to be expressed. So that's in a nutshell what I would say uh, is the, uh, the kind of commonality between these root factors to the ex- reason for the explosion of health problems. Yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted. I really appreciate that genetic conversation. I think it's really important context as well for us to be able to acknowledge yeah, what sort of world we're living in and and how quickly things have changed. So that's a really good point. And that definitely leads us into what you touched on briefly in terms of the autoimmune inflammation spectrum. So what exactly is this? So with, with autoimmune diseases, again, there's about 50 million Americans and obviously many millions more worldwide. Um, and to date, and this number is sadly only expected to grow, um, but there's about 100 different autoimmune diseases that we recognize today in the scientific 
world. And then another 40, in addition to the 100, that at least have an autoimmune component to their dysfunction. Um, so the most common ones for people that are like, well, what the heck is an autoimmune disease? I mean, celiac disease, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, um, there's many different MS, Parkinson's, these types of autoimmune diseases. The most common uh, is Hashimoto's or autoimmune thyroiditis, and then there's lupus, um, Sjogren's disease. There's many, many, many. So the criteria for the diagnosis for these diseases, for the most part, are really end-stage problems by the time they're diagnosable, meaning there has to be a significant amount of destruction of different parts of our body before it fits our criteria to say, this is a disease. Let's give it a name. Let's give it a diagnosis code. Um, so those didn't happen overnight. So autoimmune diseases means the immune system is attacking different parts of your body, auto or self-immune. So this attack against the self. Um, and for example, there has to be about 70% destruction of the myelin sheath before it shows up on, on an imaging study and it's bad enough to be labeled with MS. Um, there has to be about 90% destruction of the adrenal glands before it fits the criteria to be called Addison's disease or autoimmune adrenal disease. And similar numbers for destruction of the villi uh, in the gut to be labeled with celiac disease and caught on a biopsy and all of these criteria that we put on diagnoses. Now, those didn't happen overnight. On average, 10 years prior a decade prior to the diagnosis is when these things start brewing. The storm is seen on the horizon, these inflammatory storm. So what we know now is that there's about three stages to this autoimmune inflammation spectrum. There's silent autoimmunity, and that's stage one. Stage two is autoimmune reactivity. And then stage three is the full-blown autoimmune disease. It's labeled with a diagnosis code, and that's what we call those 140 type disease processes. But there's millions more beyond the 50 million that are somewhere on this autoimmune inflammation spectrum where they are having symptoms. If you ran antibody labs, you'd see positive antibodies, but they're not bad enough to be labeled with a diagnosis code. And what the standard model of care, not just in the United States, but across the Western world, uh, they are very reactive in the sense that, well, they'll say, well, it looks like autoimmune. Maybe you have a positive ANA test or another positive antibody test. But you, you may basically come back when it's bad enough to be labeled so we can give you a steroid or we can give you an immunosuppressant, a biologic drug. That's their options for people with autoimmunity, steroids or biologics or pain pills. That's the really the only option that, get, that people are given in this autoimmune world. So what sense does it make to wait till the body's destroyed enough of itself to then put on steroids, which anybody on these medications are going to tell you it's no savior. Uh, they are, um, their health's in the gutter many times. Mm. And then what, what can you do now to mitigate the risk factors, to dampen the inflammation, to optimize your health as much as you can? And, and again, I want to be clear here, there's no cure for autoimmunity, but there's so much we can do to dampen the effects, to dr drive down the inflammation, to balance the inflammation levels, to heal your gut, to whatever these underlying root issues are for you, let's deal with them. And believe me, anybody that's through this journey is going to tell you it's better than the alternative to at very least stop the progression. And obviously our clinical objective is to put it into remission when possible. So yeah, it's definitely the majority of my patients. It's who I really have a major uh, heart for and passion for because they fall through the cracks of the standard model of care and there's really no home for them.
Yeah, that's it's fascinating to think of it in that spectrum analogy because absolutely, why would we wait to fix our health when it's, you know, unfortunately almost broken? So obviously stage one is that silent inflammation that you refer to. And we might use Hashimoto's or, or autoimmune thyroid as a bit of an example. Um, because obviously the reference ranges for antibodies, you know, require it to be significantly high before the diagnosis. But what would you do or, or when would you take action? Like as soon as antibodies are um, elevated and, and by how much? Yeah, I think it's going back to the context of what the patient's experiencing. Typically, patients are having symptoms by the time they get to us because that's their that's their check engine light. That's their sign that something's going on underneath the hood. Most of the times, people aren't running labs preventatively, especially antibody labs, mm. for no reason. Normally, they're running it because there's inklings of clues of some autoimmune issue or some inflammatory issue. Um, so yes, absolutely. I think that as soon as you see abnormal antibodies, as soon as you look at other inflammatory proteins, because antibodies are not inflammation. Antibodies are flags for destruction. So um, yes, it's one part of it and certainly important, but I'm also concerned with looking at the totality of these other factors that are at play for autoimmune inflammation issues like uh, inflammatory proteins like C-reactive protein or homocysteine mm -hmm. and looking at you know even ferritin as an acute phase reactant for inflammation and looking at all sort of the big bigger landscape of what makes them thrive and if there's something out of the functional range these are the signs that we need to start taking action on it and not waiting to things are bad enough to be labeled with an ICD-10 code but sadly most of our patients are at that point of diagnosis. I mean, I would love it if people were proactive and took initiative on their health, but very rarely are people, their wake-up call is typically when things are pretty bad. Um, and you know what? It's not too late for them either. It's just, you know, obviously I'd rather have somebody taking action earlier rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. So can you give us, I guess, some practical strategies as to what you would do in the instance of elevated thyroid antibodies? Yeah, I think, and, and that's a good example, I think. Hashimoto's is the first autoimmune disease ever discovered in science. It's the most common one statistically. It's pretty pervasive. Um, I would say you want to start looking at a few things. I think that looking at your gut is a good start, and, and maybe it's over talked about in the health world, but it's important. It's 75% of the immune system. Um, when you're dealing with autoimmune issues, it's good to look at where the majority of the immune system resides. So looking at things like leaky gut syndrome or intestinal permeability, looking at things like SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, histamine intolerance, these are things that are uh, gut problems that can be a fuel of inflammation, a fuel of immunostress uh, for the person with autoimmune issues, be it Hashimoto's or another autoimmune disease. Um, and then also some other things I would, I would like to look at specific to Hashimoto's is looking at a full thyroid panel, not just TSH and T4 and even the antibodies. I would want to look at the free T3 and the total T3. Because oftentimes in states of inflammation, someone with Hashimoto's disease, or even I would say even someone with another autoimmune disease because they're in inflammation and inflammatory state as well, their body's not converting T4 to T3 appropriately. So you want to look at the total T3 and the free T3, which, which is the bioavailable, the, 
they're sort of the most usable form of your thyroid hormone is T3. So looking at the conversion of that, which 80% of the conversion happens in the liver, 20% happens in the gut. So looking at this hormonal pathways and then looking at inflammation levels, which I mentioned already. Um, so these are some things to consider uh, when it comes to specifically Hashimoto's. And obviously there's more than that. And so another thing just real fast, and I'll end this, but uh, is methylation. Methylation is a you know big biochemical superhighway. It happens about a billion times every second. It's a lot of times. <laughs> um, but um, there's many genes that are responsible for methylation, which we need for healthy detoxification pathways and healthy hormones and healthy brain and healthy gut. Um, it protects our DNA from cancer. It's very important. Um, but there's many different roads on the methylation superhighway. But there's a few that are more linked to Hashimoto's and other autoimmune issues like the MTHFR gene, which I'm sure you've talked about in, you know, in the past on your show. But it's the acronym for the enzyme that converts folic acid into folate. So looking at things like homocysteine, which has to do with this, but other methylation genes too, and not just MTHFR, but like uh, the COMT gene and the VDR gene and the CBS gene. There's a lot of ones to look to consider. But these are the pieces to the puzzle. How can we personalize someone's health journey? And not every one of these steps is even relevant for everybody. So it's about looking at what's relevant for them. And, and you know, Dr. Google, as, as great as it is, and it's how we're all talking right now, but it is an endless vortex of conflicting information. It can be a quite an endless pit of a confusion for people to even know what the heck is right for them. So it's my job in my clinical setting to say, okay, what's right for you? What's not right for you? And, and kind of boil it down to the practicalities for the individual. Yeah, beautiful. I think obviously, again, it comes back to one of your first points about how there's not one factor that is going to contribute to disease. And so obviously, you know, we need to look at the underlying cause, that whole root cause aim of functional medicine and certainly what we believe in at the natural nutritionist. So it's again a beautiful summary to think about where we might go. But, you know, I think also um, it highlights why it's important to have someone to guide that journey and obviously why you, you do what you do and, and myself included because it is um, – you know, it may seem overwhelming and it's important to have someone to guide that journey and then there's no need for Dr. Google and that information overload. Exactly. I think it's right. We need to be a light and darkness for people that are just trying to find answers. They're just trying to find answers and they're also trying to find a support system, which is another part of it. Because with Dr. Google comes a lot of good information, but it can be, okay, like how do I actually practically use this in my life um and and the 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 essentials for the individual so I, i i agree with you yeah beautiful so i just wanted to kind of circle back around to the point you're making before about you know usually we wait until we're feeling quite unwell to to get labs or to seek help and that's obviously um I guess the long way to approach things and it certainly makes the, you know, the healing journey more um, challenging for want of a better word. So what would you like to see instead? Like what sort of signals should we use to acknowledge that we need to work on our health before it gets to, you know, that um, the, what did you say? The, the you know, the, the engine light comes on in yeah, the car. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that some common early signs, maybe, maybe it's good to even start with this conversation, is that I really feel like a lot of this is people on autopilot going about their life and they're not in the present moment. And I feel like they're, they're busy. A lot of our you know, world is on fast forward and people are not in tune with their bodies. And I think a lot of the problems is, is that they brush it off and like, Oh, I have to go to work or I have to do this or I have to do that. Or I have to take care of my family and they're not putting their health first. And we can only be good human beings. People can only be good moms and dads and, grandparents and spouses if they take care of the, themselves and we can only you know the saying is you can only give what you have and a lot of times people are running on empty and they're not checking the fact that their check engine light is on and you know if we you know i i, I love my toyota prius but i know god is a better engineer than toyota is and i think that if we see our check engine light on our car we take it to the mechanic, we hook it up to the diagnostics and we look at what's underneath the hood. We don't just cover up the check engine light or ignore it and put a, a sticker over it and keep on driving. Let's look at what's underneath the hood here and take our body's, our, our body's uh, indications that something's not right here. So some of those early check engine lights that I see here that uh, people tell me about and that I would say uh, they, they noticed it first here would be things like fatigue, and a lot of times people play it down to say, well, I'm busy and, and they just put it off and downplay it. And but I think fatigue is one of them. And, and brain fog, which goes hand in hand sometimes with fatigue, um, is another one of them. Anxiety and depression, I think, are another one, earlier signs is that this, these are all pro-inflammatory states. Anxiety, depression, brain fog, uh, fatigue are all pro-inflammatory states that people typically notice them earlier on. And then it could be obviously muscle tightness and muscle pain and digestive thing, digestive symptoms. So um, normal bowel movements are one to two well-formed bowel movements a day, but many people are going two or three or four, five, six days, and they'll say, I'm not even constipated because they'll go that infrequently and it's not a huge strain. So they say, oh, it's normal. I'm not constipated, <laughs> but that is constipation. It's not normal. It's very sluggish bowels going on there. So these are the things that people take for granted or they make light of it or they compare themselves to someone sicker than themselves, which is by all means easy to do. Um, and they downplay it. And we're only hurting ourselves by making lighter of a thing that, of a situation that's not very light. Um, and we're hurting the ones that want us around and want us healthy and vibrant and present um, to do that. So just because something's common doesn't make it normal. And all of these health problems that we're talking about today are certainly ubiquitous, but they are anything but normal. And these are things you can reverse and overcome and improve and manage. And if you can do that, why would we settle for anything less? But many times people don't realize they have any options or they're settling for feeling lousy. And these are some of the things that people may want to consider. Uh, how, how are they feeling today, you know? Yeah, I think it's really important to, you know, to tap into those symptoms. And obviously, this is something that you do every day. And I'm sure you're quite intuitive and, you know, that you're quite aware of the changes in how you're feeling and, and so on. But isn't it fascinating um, the number of people that are so disconnected from their body and you ask them questions like in a consult environment and, they just either haven't noticed or they're not aware of these, like, I guess, obvious red lights or symptoms. 
Yeah, and I, I and maybe I, I brushed over that a little bit more, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. Is that the present moment awareness is huge because out of that awareness of their body and like saying, okay, what's going on here? I think people can take right action and kind of saying, okay, this isn't right for me, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push it to the back burner. I'm not gonna ignore it. I'm not gonna uh, basically live off of uppers and downers in different ways and people are on this blood sugar roller coaster so they're using food to kind of like give them that sugar high or get that caffeine to give them that high or that people drinking wine in the evenings just to basically cope with their life and not feeling well or to sleep better all of these things that people are really self-medicating themselves in many different ways not just through pharmaceuticals which is certainly an issue but other things like alcohol and foods as well to mask these check engine lights and why they feel the way that they do. Yeah. Fascinating. So I think everyone, like all of us can take stock from that and look at, you know, how we can start to reprioritize ourselves, like, you know, because you can't pour from an empty cup. So that, that self care and that awareness and whether it's a little bit of a, you know, a log or a journal as a stock take as to how you're feeling and, and what areas of your life you're um, either, you know, feeling like you're not thriving in or goals that you have in terms of what improvements you want to achieve. Like that's a beautiful place to start so that action can be taken before you're in that diagnosis state. Definitely. I think that, and, and I want to frame this too, is that we're talking about all the serious things and, um, I, I don't mean to say all these things to stress somebody out or just shame them or to say like, what are you, you should be doing more. And mm. but that's not that, that really the message at all. Stress is not good for our health as, at, at all either. And it's about, okay, let's, how do we really love our bodies enough to take care of it and giving ourselves grace and lightness for maybe and not shaming ourselves what we've done in our past to our bodies, but what can we do in the here and now to make the best out of what we got. Yeah, amazing. So how does someone, in your opinion, go about the healing process? Well, I think it, I mean, if I had to be very um, basic with it, it would be using food as medicine, which is what your whole show's about, right? Um, Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine thy food. And you cannot supplement your way out of a poor diet you cannot as as good of intentions as you wanted to have it you have to start with the basics and every food we eat is going to feed disease or fight it there's no neutral meal there's no switzerland dish that's going on here so we have to kind of look at what is what your body loves and what your body hates and because of biological variability because of the fact that we're all created differently with and then also we have underlying health issues that are different too. We have different microbiomes and different gut issues and all this stuff. So I've seen really good healthy things work great for some people and then flare the next person up. So it's about finding out what foods work for your body to use that as your foundational medicine. Um, so I would start with that and then build from there. So most of our patients, by the time they get to us, they're already on this health journey. They're eating way better than most people in the world. But despite their best efforts, they aren't where they want to be. They're better than they were at the beginning, or they are, I would say, certainly they're better if they, they're better than they were if they're eating the standard Western diet, but they still are struggling with these 
difficult health issues. So it's my job in functional medicine to dig deeper. What's missing? How do we take it to the next level? So at that point, labs come in. So I think labs can really shed light on these pieces that are beyond the basics, beyond the clean up your diet and use food as medicine. How do we get, what are the missing pieces to the puzzle? So that's not almost hundred percent of our patients are beyond the basic stuff and kind of like, what, what are we missing here? And there's some things that because of food sensitivities or because of an underlying gut problem or a methylation impairment, we are missing things without running the labs because so the labs can really illuminate, okay, what are these missing pieces to the puzzle? Yeah. Beautiful. That's yeah. Such a fascinating conversation. We love what you're doing and obviously how passionate you are about this space. Um, I definitely like to give you the space now to, you know, include anything else you wanted to share with our audience and then direct us to your online home and, social media links so those that are listening while they're commuting um, can go there now. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure and honor to be on uh, on the show. Um, every My online home, I love how you worded that, is everything's at drwillcold.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Um, we offer free health evaluations. We have video classes if people just want to learn on their own. Um, and we have tons of articles and tons of good stuff on there. Um, some other new things that are coming up with me, I have a, an adaptogen with uh, a, a skincare line, that, but it's their, their first supplement uh, called Agent Natur, um, and it's called Holy Youth. I'm super excited about it. I got to formulate it. It has spirulina, some of my favorite oceanic superfoods like uh, spirulina and uh, pearl and marine collagen, but also holy basil. And uh, I'm an adaptogenic geek. So I got to put all of this together and do tons of research to formulate holy youth with Agent Natur. So that's coming out real soon. It's on pre-order now. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And this summer I have a book coming out. So a lot of cool stuff happening, but my primary focus are patients. And that's what I do during the week. So um, yeah, that's, that's everything's at drwillcole.com. Amazing. I'll put all those links in the show notes, but definitely head to drwillcole.com now, team. And Will, it was great to connect with you. Thanks again for sharing your knowledge and your passion and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.